Hello and welcome to Just Plain Sense, the Equality and Diversity podcast. I'm Christine Burns and in this episode we're continuing for now the theme of equality within healthcare. In the previous episode we heard a senior civil servant's perspective on why equality, diversity and human rights go so naturally hand in hand with modern ideas about the role of healthcare. In particular, we're moving away from the traditional idea of health services as dealing with people who are ill and we now aim to prevent people becoming unwell in the first place. Now that immediately means that public health strategists need to think far more about all the factors that contribute to well-being, and equality is one of those. But this means that health services are also becoming more connected with other parallel objectives for an all-round healthy, successful and fulfilled society. Ensuring people are able to work and take an active part in the economy joins health with economic strategy and with the broader concept of social cohesion, the way in which everyone measures their sense of being part of society. For this episode, I'm therefore featuring another perspective on some of these same ideas. Paul Fairweather is a councillor on Manchester City Council. He is out as a gay man, representing all the residents in his part of the city, And this speech of his was part of a symposium which I helped to organise on the particular topic of LGBT health strategy just over a year ago in March 2007. In his speech, Paul talks about the ways that people can influence local health priorities using the scrutiny powers of their local authority and local strategic partnerships and local area agreements. He addresses LGBT health because that was the theme of the day. However, the things he talks about are also relevant to other diverse communities too. So, over to Paul. I'd like to start this morning my presentation uh, by talking for a little bit about the role that local authorities have in terms of health, and in particular in terms of LGBT health issues. But I think it's very much linked in to the changing role that local authorities have anyway with regard to the wider health agenda. Um, And I'll start off by talking a little bit about scrutiny because I was a member of Manchester's Health and Wellbeing Scrutiny Committee. And I think ideally, as well as scrutiny playing a crucial role in um, commenting and challenging on local authorities' policies, it also has real potential to raise new issues in a local authority's agenda. And I would certainly encourage people here to think about going back to your own local authorities and suggesting that scrutiny is one way to get LGBT issues much higher up the political agenda. I can certainly remember at our own scrutiny committee having a very interesting, very informative discussion around Manchester's sexual health strategy. And I think for some of my fellow councillors, that was an extremely informative discussion because actually in reality, it's not something they necessarily come across to in their day-to-day existence as a councillor. Another area where the local authority is often the key driver is around the work of the local strategic partnership that brings together a whole range of agencies to try and develop a much longer-term strategic approach to a whole range of delivering services, including health. And increasingly, it's the local strategic partnerships, and now certainly in Manchester, in conjunction with local area agreements, that have a crucial say in determining funding resources. And again, I think we need to be putting far more pressure from a local authority perspective on those strategic partnerships so they take on board LGBT issues, and particularly issues around LGBT and health. And again, I think you need to be very clear about how you get those issues raised on the agenda. 
I suspect that Manchester Local Strategic Partnership is quite unusual in having had a, a subgroup of one of the uh, thematic partnerships that actually specifically focuses and feeds and consults with local LGBT community groups. But again, I think that in itself is not sufficient. You need to make sure that all the different strands of the local strategic partnership are considering LGBT issues where they're appropriate. And we need to be thinking ways of encouraging local LGBT people and community and campaigning groups to encourage them to link into the strategic partnership because increasingly that is going to be the key place that looks at what services are provided and what resources are provided for LGBT people. I think moving on to a local level, again, I think we need to think much more carefully and clearly about how we make sure at a very local level that the needs of LGBT people and their health needs in particular are focused on. And I know in my old ward in Harper Hay in North Manchester, which is one of the most deprived wards in the whole country, and that one of the reasons for that level of deprivation is to do with the appalling level of health in the ward, that on our ward coordination committee, we have a key part of that partnership is the local PCT. So we have regularly representation on that PC, uh, from the PCT on the ward coordination committee which again, I suspect, isn't the case in some places. And for the last two years, we've run a really successful local health week that involves local people, local tenants and residents groups in looking at a whole range of health-related issues. And I think that's a very good example of ensuring that local people and local health providers get together in a strategic sense. But it's essential that that includes local LGBT communities. And this brings me on to another area where I which I think is very problematic, and I'm aware that Manchester has huge amounts of resources coming into the city in terms of regeneration. There's actually lots and lots of money coming into Manchester for regeneration purposes. But because the LGBT community is not a geographical community, we're very much a community of interest, it's actually incredibly difficult for us as a community to access those resources. And it seems to me we need to go back to national government and make a much stronger and much clearer argument. And in fact, using some of the information that Paul uh, Martin provided this morning to say that actually, as a community, we're not accessing those fair shares of resources. And there has to be mechanisms that ensure that that regeneration money is delivered to LGBT people who are not living in, in a sort of very clear geographical community. And certainly in terms of Manchester... Um, it's used as a, as a regional resource and many people coming into the city to use the LGBT resources here are from outside the city and yet they're not accessing any of the resources that we're all entitled to as council taxpayers. The other key role I think that the local authority has is resourcing the LGBT voluntary sector and that's not only providing grants I think it's actually engaging in genuine consultation about what the particular needs are. Because a local authority in any part of the region is not only a key employer, it's also still a key provider of a whole range of services. And a good example of how Manchester's done that recently, we actually have an annual uh, discussion day which brings together council officers, councillors, uh, key members of uh, LGBT community groups and also service users. And we actually spend a whole day in small workshops with people from different council departments talking about what the council is doing in terms of specific initiatives around LGBT service provision, 
but also asking users of the services what they think the council should be doing. And I think ideally every local authority should be engaged in that level of detailed consultation with LGBT people. And in my experience, it's, it's not happening. And it seems to me, if we look what's happened in terms of local authorities and LGBT equality and diversity over the last 20 or 30 years, there are actually the situation is getting worse. Uh, 20 years ago, Manchester was at the forefront of a whole range of local authorities beginning to tackle issues to do with lesbian and gay equality. And yet, if you look today at um, the police service, increasingly a private industry, at the health service, at the voluntary sector, they've all made huge advances in actually taking seriously issues of LGBT equality. And it seems to me that local authorities, many local authorities, uh, still have failed to do that in a significant way. And I think in order for that to change, we need two, two things, really. We need to have a far more imperative from national government for local authorities to be proactive in actually tackling LGBT equality issues. There needs to be an equivalent to the new gender equality duty or the newer duty around disability equality to say to all local authorities that you actually have to be looking in a proactive way at ensuring that all the services you provide do not discriminate against LGBT people. But I think the other thing that we also need is to grow and skill up a new generation of LGBT activists who can actually lobby local authorities. Because although there's been enormous changes over the last 25 years, and I can remember 25 years ago exactly, that the, the then mayor of Trafford said at a public meeting that gays needed a bullet in the head. And at the time, myself and many other people were involved in disrupting council meetings to challenge that. There's been a huge change in public attitudes since then, but there's still an awful long way to go. And I think we need to make sure that younger people have the skills and the knowledge and the passion and commitment to challenge local authorities. Because actually, in my experience, that isn't happening. There's hardly any pressure being put on local councillors to actually take on board LGBT issues. And that, it's partly our responsibility to make sure that we have the skills to do that. And I think we need to see far more LGBT individuals active in politics at a national level regional and local level and we actually need to do both things. I still think we need some form of um, very direct uh, action campaigning. I mean I certainly tend to spend my days now uh, debating in council chambers rather than disrupting them. I tend to spend my days having very um, civilised debates for example with the Bishop of Manchester around homophobia rather than chaining myself to passing nuns which I was doing 20 years ago. But I think we still need to have both forms of action. We need to have that direct action, but we need to ensure that LGBT people have the skills and the confidence and the motivation to be right at the heart of our political system. Because unless we're there and open and visible, we're not going to have that influence, which is crucial to make sure that LGBT issues are higher up the political agenda. I'll talk a little bit now about some of the initiatives <coughs> that the City Council has taken um, over the last 20 years, really. And um, if you walk outside the front door of Manchester Town Hall, you'll see in the pavement um, a rainbow tile. And I'd suggest people actually look at it if you haven't seen it already. And it's part of the LGBT Heritage Trail, which is a pretty unique uh, heritage trail that explains the LGBT history of Manchester. 
And, and one of the things I do in my spare time, I'm actually a tour on this trail and take people around the city. And when I point to the to rainbow tile outside the town hall, one of the things I'll always talk about is the city council's policy around HIV and AIDS. And certainly in the mid-1980s, at the very beginning of the AIDS, uh, of the AIDS crisis, the city council set up um, one of the first AIDS units in the country, but also as a local authority had one of the first policies around protecting people living with HIV and AIDS from discrimination. And at that time, people who remember what the situation was like in the, early, <coughs> in the early 1980s, that was actually quite a courageous thing to do. And received, you know, I remember the council receiving a huge amount of negative publicity for having a very clear policy on HIV and AIDS. And that support has continued today. So, for example, in terms of the social care we provide to people living with HIV and AIDS, in terms of supporting key things like um, the vigil on World AIDS Day. And I think... Clearly this morning, talking about LGBT health issues, we have to talk about the issue of HIV and AIDS, whilst recognising that it's not the only issue that faces LGBT people. But we need to recognise the pioneering work that's been done over the last 20, 25 years, particularly by people living with HIV and AIDS, that's completely transformed the relationship between them as patients and health professionals. And we need to say that things will never be the same again because of what we've experienced around HIV and AIDS. But I also think there are, there are tricky, difficult issues that we need to be thinking about today. We need to be thinking about issues around safer sex messages because I think there's a huge um, discussion that still needs to be had about how we get out, particularly to younger people, issues around safer sex and HIV and AIDS. There's a huge issue around decriminalisation and criminalisation of people uh, living with HIV. And there's a huge moral issue about how we keep putting pressure on the government to make sure that we are actually resourcing people in other parts of the world in terms of funding the drugs that they crucially need. So there's a huge issue around HIV and AIDS that we all need to be involved in. And the other thing I'd also say, in terms of actually making sure that these issues are higher up the political agenda, we need the support of heterosexual people. And again, I think I've actually you know, spotted a few in the audience today. So we need to be saying very clearly, <laughs> we need to be saying very clearly that heterosexual people need to be fearless in raising the agenda around LGBT, LGBT health issues. Um, in terms of some of the initiatives the City Council has been involved in, um, last year I was walking across Albert Square and saw a huge poster of two older gay men. And that was a key part of our Valuing Older People initiative, which is to have a very positive poster campaign throughout the city celebrating the lives and experiences of older lesbian and gay people. And I think it's crucial that we're included in mainstream campaigns in terms of raising people's consciousness and visibility. There's also been specific work done around uh, the housing needs of older lesbian and gay people and also and a very exciting initiative the council's involved with is around uh, working with local schools in raising issues of lesbian and gay issues in local schools and challenging homophobic bullying. Because again, a recent House of uh, Commons report highlighted the need for homophobic bullying to be much higher up the political agenda. There's still an issue particularly in some faith-based schools, that are ignoring and refuse to recognise the really serious damage the homophobic bullying is doing to young people in our schools. So that's just a few examples of some of the initiatives that the Manchester City Council is doing. Um, 
I also wanted, before I finish, to just to touch briefly on the changing nature of LGBT community groups. And certainly last year I went to Montreal to the World Out Games as a member of Manchester Lesbian and Gay Chorus and was struck really powerfully there by the huge growth in LGBT sporting and cultural activities. And it seems to me, when there's a real debate around happiness and an academic research into happiness and how we measure people's well-being, there's a huge yearning amongst LGBT people to do creative things, to recognise the value of sport and culture in our communities. And I think the more we can do to resource that and support that, the more crucial that is. And local authorities, historically, have done very little to do that. But I think we need to be putting pressure on local authorities to resource and support sporting and cultural activities for LGBT people. Because I think the more that we can access that creativity in our own communities, it's an incredibly powerful weapon to challenge the homophobia that is still rampant in many parts of our society. And it also challenges our own internal homophobia. The stuff that says if you're a, if you're a, um, if you're a lesbian you can't possibly be a soprano or if you're a gay man you can't possibly want to play rugby. Those sorts of stuff. We need to be challenging that. So in conclusion, I think the local authority has a key role to play in challenging homophobia and transphobia. And it's not only about providing resources, it's providing a real political lead in the area. And I would encourage people from the whole of this region to go back and to lobby your local councillors, to talk to relevant council officers, because we need to make absolutely sure that no LGBT person in the region is denied services or denied fair treatment because of who they are. Thank you.